0: Welcome to the latest edition of Cybersecurity Chronicles. Today, we have a special guest, Carter Schoenberg. Uh, Carter holds a master's degree in information security. He is also certified CERT-RMM, which I didn't know what that was, but it's resilient management modeling uh, to increase the resiliency of information systems. He's also a CISSP with ISC Squared. Uh, Carter is has been a CISO and is currently the chief cybersecurity officer for Soundway Consulting out of Vienna, Virginia. Welcome today, Carter. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Happy thank you, to Carter, happy you could join me. us. And also, with us today is Stanley Lee, CEO of uh, NetSwitch. And, uh, Carter, you and I were introduced uh, on LinkedIn. And Mm -hmm. you had commented about a podcast we had done previously with Amira Armand, who's the chief editor for cmmcaudit.org. And Soundway and you work with clients uh, whose business is with the DOD and are going to have to be meeting CMMC certification at some level here in the future. So talk to me a little bit about what you guys do and and how you're doing this, and then we'll get to the comment that you had made to me. Sure, sure. So SoundWay Consulting is a technology
1: and management consulting firm. We elected to position a service offering that was going to be focused on CMMC. In October of last year, we became a registered provider organization. In December, myself, I actually became a registered practitioner And the company is a a certified third party assessing organization candidate, which basically means that the accreditation body in conjunction with the Department of Defense has done an initial vetting process. And then we are waiting our formal assessment, meaning actual warm bodies coming to Soundway (laughs) to do our last assessment, uh, making sure that we are actually at maturity level three as defined by CMMC. And then we would then be um, hopefully one of the, the newer organizations that can provide these kinds of certification services on behalf of the accreditation body in the Department of Defense.
0: That's great. It's been a long road for everybody involved in this, hasn't it? Uh, a-
1: absolutely. So for, for the viewers, uh, of the audience members, so CMMC really kind of like kicked off around 2019 as an approach that incorporates the National Institute of Standards and Technology, the Center for Internet Security and the um, CERT RMM, which you may reference to, which is Carnegie yep. Mellon's Resilience Maturity Model, and the approach, if you will, was to have a phased rollout where, by the end of hopefully fiscal year 25, potentially all solicitations would have CMMC language. This <laughs> has been pushed to the right on multiple occasions, and a unfortunately, a lack of communications from the Department of Defense makes it even more challenging for government contractors. Now, having said that, DHS is currently undergoing a CMMC pilot with their own supply chain and GovWin has about 70 opportunities with CMMC ratings that are not limited to just the Department of Defense. Hmm. And you mentioned, Carter, you mentioned about the NIST and of course that's the CSF version 1.1 the latest we're referring to. How does the difference between a csf versus cmmc so the nist cybersecurity framework is is a very very um comprehensive framework that was designed by government and received a lot of inputs from industry and for a number of years a little slow to adopt but then it started to have a ramp up but with regards to cmmc what I, the National Student Standards of Technology has a, what they call a special publication. The number is 800 171, and it is titled Protecting Controlled Unclassified Information in Non Federal Systems in Organizations. And the thing to keep in mind is even though this document has been around well before CMMC ever became a thing, there was actual instructions and guidance in solicitations to industry from the government that actually had defense federal acquisition regulation supplement clauses Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: may reference to 800-171. Right. Having been focusing on this area now for a, a number of years, meaning supply chain cyber risk management, not that long ago, like five, six years ago, when people would talk about supply chain risk management, they were really looking at it in terms of maybe counterfeit, Computer chips or um, <laughs> counterfeit aerospace parts, things along those lines. And one of the observations that I had is that's good and fine, but if we're really going to get hit, it's probably going to be through warm bodies, which would mean services. Right. So now the government has kind of evolved to saying, you don't only have to approve to me that the technology that you're providing me has met a certain level but that your organization, the commercial enterprise itself, has independently been validated at a certain level as well.
0: Meaning you've put in the certain tools and procedures and policies in place to protect the government's data.
1: Correct. And they are focusing on uh, the the two big ones are um, what they call covered uh, defense information, uh, and also controlled on classified information and also FCI, federal contract information. Right. Now, this is arguably been one of the bigger challenges in the entire We'll Just call it the, the ecosystem, because depending on how you are interpreting the rules and regulations, if you look at what the National Archives and Records Administration stipulates, which is the governing body on CUI, The Department of Defense has taken that directive and kind of massaged it to fit its organizational culture, if you will. (laughs) So you have these these data categories that are pretty, pretty straightforward. And again, unfortunately, because of the lack of communications from the government, there is this unique challenge of well, do I actually have CUI? Am I ever going to get CUI? Still still up for, for debate. And I think historically speaking, based on what I've seen in contractual language previously, what is reasonable to conclude that when a solicitation comes out down range and it has a CMMC maturity level three requirement, which is the, the minimum level if you are maintaining storing or supposed to be transmitting control and classified information, Mm-hmm. We'll we'll have that. And then at whatever point of award, the contracting official and the awardee will then have a better understanding on what are those anticipated data sets. Because if the old adage you can't protect what you don't know that you have, it's right. not just limited right. to computing assets, but the information there too. Now, one of the interesting things that I've seen recently is in the supplier performance risk system, where <laughs> You know, as I say, it right now, a, an organization seeking certification, their system security plan in and of itself is going to be determined to be corporate confidential. It would not be determined as controlled and classified information. Okay. Until which time it gets in possession of the United States government. At that point in time, as they denote it as CUI, and by happenstance, they have a communication with that same artifact back to the awardee. It'll be an interesting debate in terms of, okay, so are you now saying I have to go back and remark what I originally provided (laughs) to you and and all artifacts there too? But, you know, again, there's also some challenges in in the entire ecosystem with regards, sometimes I think we're getting a little too wrapped around the axle versus best practices. CMMC was designed from its onset to evolve. And I think that th- we're going to see that. Um, I think that not only the controls that are being evaluated, which they call practices, but also um, some of the rules and requirements that are going to be associated with how certifying bodies actually evaluate and also how organizations maintain, store, and transmit and mark um, regulated data sets to be in conformance with these these changing uh, the ever-changing threat landscape. I could easily, right? I could easily see where right now, 130 controls. After they've done this for a few years, and they have enough data to be able to make an educated decision, to be able to say, I don't know, maybe it's 119, maybe it's 142. <laughs> <laughs> A but, moving target. Well, yeah, but but then again, so is the cyber threat landscape. And I firmly right. believe that the government and the accreditation yeah. body would be firmly justified in, in taking that approach. But it all comes down to what is the data actually pointing to? You know, CMMC was always supposed to be designed in helping foster a, a cultural change with organizations seeking certification versus it being another compliance checklist. Right, I was just having right. a discussion right. with somebody earlier today on this topic where, you know, for, I've been doing this now for 20 years and compliance is not a new topic, but when you're trying to think that all of a sudden you're going to change the cultural paradigms of corporate ownership in even a five year window, I think is going to be a a challenge. I do think that a lot of organizations um, may have the best intent of trying to adopt it from a cultural perspective, but I also think you're gonna have a lot. They're gonna say, what do I need to do to make sure I'm in conformance and I can get this award? Now, I will advise, I've been pleasantly surprised with some of the clients that Soundway has been supporting to date, where they advised us, we did this as a checklist item to get business. And now that we've gone through this process, our board of directors are more engaged, we want to be able mm-hmm. to ramp up and have a more mature capability, not just limiting it to NIST 800-171, but other factors such as um, SOC 2 audits or being right. performance w- with ISO. So some, at least some uh, sample sets are are demonstrating that, yeah, they're getting it, that the boards of directors are getting it because the, the costs
0: of ownership in the face of a breach are are skyrocketing. Wow. Right. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people come with that we work with come to us saying, okay, we've got this, how big is the crosswalk over to CMMC or over to something else? So it's, it's important that companies are starting to think about this. And I think a lot of companies have started to think about it a bit more with the recent supply chain attacks. And they realize that they're one, they're one lily pad uh, to get from one side to the other uh, and that they don't want to be that. So, Carter, when when we had posted the podcast up about CMMC that you messaged me on, you you said, "Look, CMMC is not the silver bullet." And we had a conversation. I think you touched on some pretty important things for small businesses, in particular, medium sized as well, to think about with regard to achieving CMMC certification. They've they've achieved it. They've got it. And now what?
1: Yeah. So great point. And, and, and first off. Uh, with regards to the uh, Amir's podcast I mean Amir is incredibly knowledgeable very well spoken and she understands this backwards and forwards yeah. for my observation which doesn't really have anything to do with the content there but just an overall observation is we are starting to see at least at soundway that some corporate entities that would be defined as an organization seeking certification a government contractor if you will are starting to have a Uh, a a view of if I get this, not only does it ensure that I can continue to do business with the U S government, but it's protecting me in a way that might be consistent with like the safety act. And for your listeners that may not be familiar with the safety act, it's a program under the U S department of Homeland security. And the safety act is intended to provide critical incentives for the development and deployment of what was originally anti-terrorism technologies by providing liability protections for the sellers of the the qualified technology. So it's almost kind of a, you go through a vetting process and if you're using this widget, you kind of have a, a get out of jail free card from civil liability. When something goes bump in the middle of the night, (laughs) CMMC, just so we're clear, Is not that. It is exclusively designed to meet, to answer the mail, if you will, of what the US government is imposing upon its government contracting community. It still does not take into consideration, or let me rephrase that. CMMC does not take into consideration because it was never designed to take into consideration the total breadth of what corporate responsibility envelops, as an example. Um, not too long ago, I was fortunate enough to be able to provide a presentation to uh, MITRE. And it was a cyber supply chain risk forum that they used to do on a quarterly basis. Mm-hmm. And a scenario that I had posed to the audience, which was roughly about 125 some odd people, most of which were government contractors, some attorneys, some government employees. And the scenario that I had... Presented was that you're a small 8A in Northern Virginia and you just won a contract to support the Navy in San Diego. Big feather in their cap, a couple hundred FTEs, meaning people that will actually be billets Mm -hmm. on the job, and big feather in their cap. They're going to graduate off the 8A schedule. Everybody's millionaires, everybody's happy. That's awesome. But then something (laughs) goes bump in the middle of the night. It's the new norm. What do you have to do? And the responses were along the lines of, well, you know. You obviously want to try to, you know, contain it, you know, eradicate the threat. You get to notify the Department of Defense. And and I agreed, all of which are important things. But I didn't hear one person mention that you had to notify the attorney general for the state of California. And very very indignantly had responses. There's nothing in the federal contract that says you have to do that. (laughs) <laughs> I'll, quali- I'll I'll preemptively say I am not an attorney I do not claim to be an attorney but it doesn't change the fact that corporate enterprises still have a lawful obligation to meet what's called the standard of care And does yeah. that what does that even mean So according to the legal dictionary, the standard of care is the degree of care a prudent and reasonable person will exercise under certain circumstances. So if you understand that you have a cyber, threat, what as a company are you doing to be able to mitigate your exposure to that? Everybody loves to focus on the buzzwords while we're doing our due diligence. Well, that's great, (laughs) but to meet the standard of care, there's actually two components. Due diligence, what are you doing to find things? And then once you've found them, what are you doing to address them? That would be called due care. So as an example, (laughs) patch management is a great one. Um, you know, there's a critical vulnerability, and you went, you know, a, a year, you never patched it. <laughs> but you but you could, if you did an investigation, you could see that the IT team let management know about this eight months ago. And then as a result of that, the organization was successfully breached um the client data or employee data or a combination there too, um, got out in the open. That could qualify as being able to demonstrate that the organization did not meet the standard of care. Now, obviously, each state is going to be different. You need to speak with your own legal counsel, either in-house general counsel or third-party legal representation. But these are some of the challenges that I would offer up to organizations seeking certification. Please do not look at CMMC as you're doing this and you only have to do this. This is an important part. and. If you do CMMC, at least at level three and higher correctly, almost by default, you'll be able to address these other aspects to be able to demonstrate that you're meeting the standard of care. But in and of itself, it is not exclusive.
0: And if they're to follow the letter of the law, it requires them to notify the Attorney General of California. That, if there were an incident. Absol- that, that is absolutely correct. So, And for a small to mid-sized business now, they're looking at potentially a growing list of states with different requirements of who they notify, when they notify, how they notify. That is absolutely correct.
1: And unfortunately, all 50 states, the minimum thresholds for what is required to notify, how you notify, like as an example of Memory Serves in Massachusetts, if you meet the threshold, the instructions to the, the organization is, you are to notify your victims that that X happened. You are not to describe in any way, shape, or form how, x happened which is, is kind of interesting because commonwealth of massachusetts is looking at nope, no that that's that's our swim lane stay out of it or or, fa- <laughs> or, or face the wrath but right. yeah you know, but, it, but it's an interesting dynamic because if you're talking about instant response plans which is arguably one of the bigger challenges that we see with especially small and medium-sized businesses is With an incident response plan, you generally have two escalation paths, an internal escalation path and an external escalation path. And I would be willing to bet that a C3PAO, when they're doing their certification process, is going to look at the incident response plan. And they obviously want to see, all right, well, you got the right contact information for the Department of Defense, and we agree with this. Break, break, end of story. Yep, They are not going to have any vantage point nor concern that, well, we know that you operate in four different states, but we don't see any call trees to bodies of authority in those four states.
0: It's not their responsibility
1: to point that out. Correct.
0: No, that's not their job.
1: But it doesn't change the fact that that still could potentially be an area of vulnerability for the corporate enterprise.
0: That's some great information, Carter. And, and Stanley, I know you've got some questions. I've still got some more questions for Carter. He's, been, he's given us so much information today. So if you would, please, everybody that's listening, come back for our sequel, where we have Carter Schoenberg for Soundway Consulting. Continue our conversation about CMMC compliance and some of the pitfalls small and mid-sized businesses may fall into. Uh, Carter, thanks for joining us this week. And if you have any questions about what we do or about NetSwitch, you can visit us at NetSwitch. N-E-T-S-W-I-T-C-H dot net. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to talking to you again next time. Join us for Carter Schoenberg on The Sequel. Thanks. Thanks, Carter. Look forward to talking to you again. Bye.